0: Now we're at the Willie Mays, Babe Ruth, yeah, Lou Gehrig part of the list.
1: It's the big stuff. Big stuff. As long as it includes Giants and Yankees, it's fine. (laughs) The most important thing. Um, I'll just take I'll just take them in turn, and and you can tell me what you think of them, and it can be as much or as little as you as you like. And then, you know, then I transcribe them and stare at at the words everybody said and fit it together into something. That's how this has turned out. Okay, uh Titanium Powerbook G4. Isn't that
0: the first thought I I have this thought all the time is that the Titanium Powerbook G4 is like the longest lasting industrial design in the history of the industry not just for Apple but uh it, it is you, know, it, you can't say that today's MacBook Pros look exactly like the Powerbook G4 but you can draw A line from the titanium power book g4 to where we are today and there are no discontinuities in the line it is it set the stage you know it's it moved from plastic to metal you know and black dark books for the pro line to silver colored metal and sure titanium wasn't really the best choice in the long run and the particular treatment of titanium they had didn't age well, although it did kind of age in an interesting way where it took on a patina to, to borrow a word from the watch mm-hmm. world where it kind of looked cool that it got beat up, you know, or, or if you're not a watch nerd, the way that old jeans look better than new blue jeans um, but that's obviously not what Apple's looking after <laughs> durability wise but it clearly was mm-hmm. where they wanted to go and then when they figured out how to use aluminum the way wanted, they wanted to they just used aluminum to make what the Titanium G4 was.
1: Yeah, I the way I've been phrasing it is if you did a slideshow with every Apple laptop and it went from the earliest to the newest, you would get to the Titanium and you'd say, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Because <laughs> it's like, that's the moment where it's like, now it's a thin silver laptop. And it, it, it never stops being that after that moment. Like it was a thick, curvy, plastic, black laptop. And then it was a thin silver laptop. And, you know, Steve's on stage with the... one inch thin we have the sex we have the sex what is wrong with him one inch thin but but like they didn't know what they didn't know how to make it right because they use titanium and it's brittle and it's soft and it's and there's paint flecking off it and like they didn't know they hadn't become the world's foremost metallurgy aluminum experts right they had to learn that but like you can see the impulse the impulse here has not changed basically silver thin laptop right that's what we want
0: you know they they've obviously done a lot of work in the intervening years on durability you know put aside our recent travails with the butterfly switch keyboards um which only makes that stand out more as an exception but uh, you know i'm reminded too of the the one ipod nano that like if you just looked at it wrong it took a scratch on the front surface and it's like what were they thinking and right. it's like how do you ship laptops where the palm rests don't react well to palm oils and sweat um and you know it, it looked great out of the box and again i don't think it aged poorly it just aged you know visibly in a way that like aluminum you just kind of wipe it off and it's like a three four five six year old macbook today you can keep looking literally brand new um but man the The idea was there, and it really etched it out. And even, like you said, um, just getting away from sort of fake organic shapes, you know, sort of jellyfish-looking curves to certain aspects. And it's Mm -hmm. like, no, how about a rectangle with round corners?
1: I think that's a lesson they learned definitely during this period is—because the iBook was a great example, right, which we already talked about, where they're like, we're going to do something different. And I think the market basically said, no, mm mm-mm. No, do it. Do it like this. Make it a box, or as Syracuse keeps saying, like you make it a box, and then you you just push in the margins as much as you can as you miniaturize it, and that's that's what a laptop needs to be is, and, and I you know I I see it, but this is interesting too. I mean, you talk about the scratches, and yeah, I mean it was soft metal, right? So it, it got dinged, but it was also like it, it was brittle, and so one of the big things that happened with these things is that like the hinges <laughs> would, would just snap off. My daughter, when she was a toddler, was looking at me on the computer and she wanted to see me better and she put her hand on the top of the of the screen from the backside and just pulled it back a little bit just a little it was not a big thing and it just snapped (laughs) off in her hand um because those hinges were so brittle that if you didn't baby them they would just fall apart and you know they they learned right they learned uh, actually what they learned is that anodized aluminum is incredibly tough that once once you anodize that aluminum it it's hard to mark it up, and everything they do now, like they are, they're. I'm not kidding. Like I think you might have even linked to it. Somebody wrote a a piece. I forget exactly who it was, um, who said. Apple basically knows more about aluminum than anyone else yeah. in the industry in the world at this point. because they, they But they, they hadn't figured it out yet with the titanium. But they knew what they were going for. They just didn't know how to make it yet. It's actually kind of, I think it's kind of charming. Like, Apple has the vision of what a, a laptop's going to be, but they don't know how to build it. And the titanium is like, it's really cool, but yeah. also not right.
0: And, it, you know, it, there's so many aspects of it that look dated. You know, the way that it was sort of like, a, it just had... Bezels everywhere, right? The top panel, you know, it had no matter which way you looked at it, there were like different pieces, and it's like,
1: yeah, and like it's two tone. It's got like the white right. paint and then the silver, which is kind of weird, and a lot of slats and lines in places that they just yeah. dropped. And all are of the that keys
0: out. still translucent
1: to some degree? I, it, I'd have to. I've got one here somewhere. I think so. I think that. I think that is yeah, true. And I think like, they're still that, that, was a,
0: that was a discussion they should have had. Like, hey, that that's a trend. And
1: and it doesn't go, however
0: well it goes with the iBooks hmm. and with the the whole uh, iMac Bondi Blue look, it doesn't go with the titanium black would have just been the way to go. But
1: the uh, it's got a door, it's got that port door on the back, which is something that obviously as the laptops got thinner, they couldn't do anymore. But um, it is awfully satisfying to drop that thing down and just see the enormous set of ports. And that was the idea, I think, was like just stick it on your desk, plug it in and just use it sitting at your desk and the, the today we've got all the ports coming out the side cuz the laptops are too What do you so that's URLs. a good
0: question. I'm looking at I, I you know to prepare for this I've got a couple of tabs open in an image search and uh mm-hmm. I'm looking at the port door and that does seem odd historically. I mean it it almost seems like the port door is odder than the number of ports. <laughs> but I like what's the thinking behind that? I sort of feel like it's a it, it it's not protection. I don't think it's about protecting these ports from egress. I think it's, let's hide them so that it doesn't look like it have all these, has all these ports because we don't want it. We don't like the way that looks where yeah, we use Steve Jobs.
1: And the, the, you know, the old, um the old power books, the, the wall street and stuff, they had a door too, I believe. Right. Um, And I think, yeah, that was the premise was that when you were out and about and, and, and not plugged in, you wanted to hide all the ports cause they're ugly. All right. And there are lots of them. Okay, so I got I got mine out here, and it's like there's a FireWire 400, there's an Ethernet, there's two USB A, there's a monitor out port, there's a an S video out, and a (laughs) headphone jack and a modem port. All it's just enormous.
0: And the S video out, of course, makes me think immediately. Like, wait a minute, there's no way this had ADB. No, it didn't have ADB.
1: Yeah, right. No, it looks. It looks like ADB or Max Serial, right. but it's it's not. And then the other thing that made me giggle is a PC card slot on the side.
0: Right.
1: Oh, good times! I, I I think I even used a, a, like a cellular PC card for a while with one of these for like live coverage of events. You could slide a, a cell a cell card in and actually get on the internet without. Before Apple had Wi-Fi at their events, that was the trick it's it's
0: worth noting too that they put titanium right in the name and you know it sounds like a cool it's a cool sounding element titanium Mm -hmm. it just sounds cool
1: people Uh, still use it in marketing for stuff that's got titanium in it titanium wheels and titanium alloys and right yeah it just sounds awesome uh but it
0: it it did, and again, they didn't stick with titanium. Turns out titanium, at least the way they were using titanium, wasn't a good material for these. No. Certainly wasn't doesn't seem to be a good material for laptops. You know, they've come back to it with the Apple Watch. Now you can buy the Apple Watch Edition in titanium, which is a very different finish to titanium, I think, because, and again, I'm, I'm not an expert on metallurgy to speak to it, but I think the size of a watch is more amenable to titanium than a laptop but it, it just by putting it in the name it said it said something about what apple was doing with materials period we're not just making co- computers we're not just making you know cool looking computers we're 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 serious about elevating this in a way that no yeah. one else in the industry is even thinking about no one else was even thinking about using something other than plastic
1: yeah, that's the metal is the point, right? And that's why the metal is in the name. I mean, they could have just called it me- the metal, but they called right. it titanium. But like, it's metal. It's silver. You open it up, and it's silver again. Like you can't. The whole screen is framed. Uh, the bezel, you know, actually pretty thin bezel too. When yeah, I open this thing up, it's it's like. I mean, you could see they know what they they know what a good laptop should be like. They just can't quite. They're on the path, but they're not too far down the path yet.
0: Yeah, I think that the cheat. On the bezel, is that the screen didn't really go edge to edge? That there was black <laughs> around that too, but maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't I'm know. trying trying to see if I can. No, it looks like it went edge to edge. Now I fi- I see one with the screen on. Yeah, wow. I w- I would have to say that this thing gets credit for going closer to edge to edge than than some recent power. So
1: certainly, MacBooks. the 2010s MacBook Air, until it went Retina, was yeah. had the enormous bezels. And this one, they're yeah. pretty. And it's, and it's a widescreen, right? Which was another right. thing that they, they had previously been more square. And this is right. pushing it out wide. And yeah, it's, and again, it's got lots of issues and it had a lot of reliability things. But I, I think for me, what makes it notable is that it, it sets Apple on that path. Um, and it was, and the industry, I think, to a certain point, because it was Apple saying, no, no, it needs to look like this. It needs to be silver. It needs to be metal. That's what, and thin, one inch thin. Yeah. It needs to be as thin as possible.
0: It It also, I think, in hindsight, I think we, it, it just occurs to me now, really thinking about it, it really emphasized the fact that the quadrants of that famous Steve Jobs pro-consumer laptop-desktop four-quadrant product diagram, they really were different in a way that, that they aren't today. And yeah. I, I'm not saying that that's a problem with today's lineup, but like your consumerist consumer MacBook right now is a 999 MacBook Air that has the exact same fit and finish as the most expensive MacBook Pro you can buy same materials you know oh, okay you can get the air in gold that that i guess gold means consumer not pro but it's nowhere near as different as the G3 iMac Bondi Blue translucent plastics of the consumer laptops versus okay pro means metal
1: right yeah i mean you could argue that with the iBook being replaced essentially by the MacBook Air that um consumer laptop be- ceased to be a concept right like everybody everybody gets a metal laptop even right. the even the 999 is a right. is a metal laptop like, right. and which which i think i really do believe one of the reasons the iBook didn't stick around in that original design is that you take these things out in public and you might be judged by what laptop you bring to a meeting right. and having them be classy and look, you know, look good um, at any price point is probably, you know, because Apple's not selling a 299 laptop. Maybe you could sell a 299 laptop and have it be cheap plastic. But um, if you're going to have an Apple laptop, you're going to look good at your meeting, wherever it is. You're not going to be taking out an orange toilet seat. Right. <laughs> right.
0: right. And, However much that might fit and make some people really happy, it wasn't appropriate for everywhere.
1: Yeah. I think that's, I think that maybe is the difference. Um, okay, well, that's a good segue into the MacBook Air, um, which I, I specified is not the first one. I had the first one. I know exactly firsthand how terrible it was. Uh, it was expensive and had that really slow iPod hard drive in it. and Or you could spend like several thousand dollars for the first SSD. Yeah. Um, but the second time in 2010, in the fall of 2010, they came out with the 11 and the 13. I remember being at the town hall for that event um I, I i like a lot of these events blur together but it's like i remember that because I, I i used the old air and then they announced the new air and i was like oh like oh they got it and so often apple talks about the future and like this product's going to change the world and sometimes it does but a lot of times it doesn't but this product like literally they said they said this is the future of laptops and <laughs> they were right like literally by the end of the decade every laptop looked like that macbook air or every laptop from every company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they created the whole Ultrabook right. line was essentially just, we want to make a MacBook Air. And then the MacBook Pro, I I would argue one of the challenges Apple has for this next decade is, how is the MacBook Pro different from the MacBook Air now? Right. It's become yeah, it's- a MacBook Air.
0: I had the 11-inch, and I can't remember uh, yeah. exactly which year. Um, And it was at a time, I think it was... You know, I had a—I forget what my desktop was too at the time, but I had a a desktop Mac that was my "quote unquote" main Mac. But I needed a MacBook, and so I thought, well, if you know, make your desktop beefy and make your portable portable. So get the eleven-inch, and I—I I never regretted it. I loved it. I mean, and yes, it was a very small screen, um, but for overall portability and weight, man, that was that was just great.
1: Yeah, I love the eleven. It's one of my favorites, and I think that you you can see the um, it's the extension of that story that started with the uh, the titanium G4, right? Which is, the laptops want to be thinner and lighter, so you kick out the spinning hard drive and you, you kick out the optical drive, and not only was that a bet on in the future you won't need those things, which was which was true, but also, I think it's Apple and and Steve Jobs and and Johnny Ive saying we figured out what people want with their laptop and the answer is you know as little of it as possible in terms of thickness and weight they can't can't handle the dimensions of the display right but they can do as much as they could everywhere else to make it and and that's what the air is all about
0: yeah and that's you know and and i don't know if we're talking about 13 and 11 inch i mean they were very much sibling products Mm -hmm. just two products same size but you know that that it How small could we get it? No smaller than would take a full size keyboard. Yeah. Right. So there was no pinching your fingers together and pretending you've, you know, got the hand size of a third grader to type on it. It was a full size keyboard. Um, and then everything else stemmed from there. Like, well, okay, if that's how big the keyboard is, that's how big the screen could be. There's how big the whole thing is. And it, I, the other thing I, one thing I remember about that, it was the first, macbook i ever owned where i didn't feel like i really had to baby it and i'm not Mm -hmm. i don't know that they were particularly mac portables were particularly fragile before that but they were so much more expensive previously combined with being plastic and combined with being thicker and just didn't feel so secure when they were closed and this just not not that i was ever rough with it but it just felt like you could really literally just toss it in a backpack and you know it's fine it, it, there's just a that that aluminum shell felt protective.
1: Yeah, yeah. It didn't. It didn't. It wasn't wiggling or anything. That hinge would close, and and uh, the anodized aluminum could pretty much take a beating, and you you wouldn't beat it up. But yeah, I I agree with you. Um, what else was I going to mention? Oh, netbooks. Remember, like the MacBook Air was yeah. also their response to what is you know oh these netbooks. And when you mentioned <laughs> keyboards, that was one of the things that struck me looking back. Is the great debate about netbooks and i tried a netbook and my response was well it's great to have a computer this small but the keyboard is unusable because they had to shrink all the keys in order to get it to fit and so when the macbook air came out i thought oh see apple clearly went through that same process where they thought what's the minimum well you know that we can take this and they got to the with the keyboard and they said we have to stop like we can't go any further than this because it becomes really bad once you start shrinking down people's keys
0: yeah, the screen size, you could shrink. I mean, you know, we know, <laughs> we've we've talked about it. You know, the, the Macintosh concept works pretty good with a 9-inch display. You know, it's that's what we had. But it, as a laptop, it really starts with the keyboard. Anything less than a full-size keyboard is a different class of experience. And, you know, maybe you, somebody's using computers for something that doesn't involve a lot of typing, and that's fine. But if it does involve a lot of typing and... For most people, like that whole net netbook thing was like, oh, you can use the web and do email. Well, email's typing, you know. Mm. It's it
1: even was... the ten and a half inch iPad Pro and iPad Air magic keyboard, they thinned out a bunch of the keys, but not the letters. All the alphanumerics right. are full size, even at that size. Yeah. That's not true on the old smart keyboard, the small one. The that was a scaled down keyboard and it was okay, but not not ideal <laughs> like but yeah. that was but that's a different story cuz that's an ancillary product it's not the keyboard you have to use every time you use the device you can use it or not
0: yeah it's a good comparison though it feels to me and i have the 11-inch ipad and i have the magic keyboard and i like it but i wouldn't want to use it for long form writing for very long cuz it is a little bit cramped mm. just a little and I get it because it's based, you know, the defining characteristic of that 11 inch iPad is the iPad itself. And then the keyboard comes from there. Whereas I think with the 11 inch Air, they started with the keyboard and then made a screen to fit. And I've spoken about this to people and they're like, well, wait, they're both 11 inch. How could the one have a keyboard that's too small? But then it comes back to the aspect ratio where the Air had a wide, the MacBook Air had a, as a widescreen. Display, mm-hmm. so eleven inches is actually a wider footprint than the more square iPad, which therefore has just a tiny bit of crampiness to the
1: keyboard. All right, we should we should talk about the original Mac. That's where it all started. Did you hmm. ha- did you have one? Did you? No, no,
0: I was too young, and way too expensive. And my school, my elementary school, did not. Uh, it was all Apple II, so mm-hmm. therefore they weren't. Why in the world would they buy something? You know. You know, again, which is what a lot of people told Apple. Why would you make a computer that doesn't work with your other computers?
1: Um, when, when I think about this system, you know, because I had an SE, was my first Mac. I, I did use one of these early Macs briefly, but I basically, it was in high school, and all I did was type newspaper articles into it. I literally didn't use it for anything else. It was not a, a, a real Mac experience. But in looking back at it, like, the amount, I mean, it wasn't completely right, but the amount of things that they got right out of the gate, I guess that's the reason why it, it made it right. Like the software, the detail, uh, of the, of the, of the OS, even that first OS, the all in one fact that it's, you know, it's a recognizable silhouette to this day, but like it's, it's got personality. It's adorable. It's also easy to understand because it's such a, a simple object, like sure there were lots of things it was it, it cost a little too much and you know it, and there were things about it that needed to be better lots of floppy swapping but but um the amount of things they got right like that's why the the world changed because the product exists is they got so much of it right um the first time
0: and it's so inspiring that they were willing to break so many of the rules all at once mm-hmm. knowing that they were going to meet like you know you can't do And people couldn't even know where to begin telling them what they couldn't do that the Macintosh was doing. Just the fact that the screen was white with black text um, was the complete opposite of every other mainstream computer, you know, which famously, I mean, the whole era was defined by black CRTs with, you know, you got to choose, do you want green text or orange text or white text? I remember the first time I
1: saw one and I couldn't believe what I was seeing because it was monochrome, the white was predominant. It was black on white instead of white on black. And it was uh, incredibly crisp and smooth, but also monochrome. And I remember just thinking, I don't know what I'm even looking at here. It's so different from right. the Apple II that I, I had. You know, you know, a story that I don't think gets told enough about this, uh, the original Mac, is I think maybe only Apple could have made that product because we think about the Mac versus like the IBM PC, And then ultimately DOS and and Windows, but like Apple was riding so high on the Apple II, and the Apple II, even after nineteen eighty four, like the Apple II still sold incredibly well for years after the Mac came out. It was, it was dying off, but like it was still a huge part of Apple's business through the entire development of the Mac, obviously. But then even after the Mac came out for a while, the Apple II didn't really trail off until sort of toward the end of the eighties, and that meant that they. They had their old school, like they disrupted themselves in a classic Apple way, but I think it also gave them the latitude to make a computer that was not like other computers because they already had that computer, right? And so with the Lisa project and then the Mac project, they were able to do something else because they already had their traditional computer. They didn't need to invent a new one of those. They had, you know, and they probably were deluding themselves on how long the Apple II was going to be successful, but I think maybe it. it gave them the freedom to make the Mac, if that if that makes any sense. Like that they they already had the Apple II, so the Mac should be different.
0: Yeah, and there was just such a different mindset of the time. It's so hard to put your finger on exactly what it was, but there was just this this sense of hey, we keep inventing altogether new things every three or four years. Not just Apple, but the whole industry, right? right? Like every three or four years, someone would come up with something altogether new. And it it's like well what about compatibility wasn't even it was like well no of course not because this is like an all new thing so we didn't worry about that and it's it, that sort of thinking like I don't even know how much strategy there was to that like I think it did work out for Apple exactly as you said where you know the financial continuing sales of the Apple II line and you know they they continued to make them you know the Apple II GS was born in the post Mac era and was the, you know, by far the most powerful Apple II computer. Um, it, it carried the company, but I don't know how much strategy there was to that when they pushed ahead and shipped the Mac. I think it was just sort of like, well, here, look at this all new thing. It's yeah. so hard to put your, you know, I don't, know. we could do a whole series of 20 podcasts just about the original yeah, Mac really. and how much of it, you know, and the things that they did get wrong, are such minor details. And I'm sure that I always thought like they could kick themselves. Like just the one little thing is, um, and when you use like a classic Mac in an emulator, it's so hard now for me to get used to it, is that when you pull down a menu, you have to keep the mouse button down. So if you click on the file menu and let go of the button, the file menu instantly disappears as opposed to staying down so that you can click on it, then Without the any pressure on the mouse button, move the mouse to the item you want and click again. Um, I think I, I think I know what they were thinking, but I think that they would agree. The people who made the decision, I'm sure they thought about it both ways, and I think that they overthought it. But it's such a little thing to have gotten wrong,
1: because otherwise the menu bar is still the same.
0: Yeah, twenty. Well, what, that's thirty five years. That's later. I think
1: one of the great endorsements of what they did is if you took a person who is using the Mac. In 1984, and set them down in front of a Mac in 2020, they'd know it was a Mac. Like they'd get it. They'd say, "Oh, it's the future. It's different." Right. But it's clearly the Mac. Like clearly, because so many of those conventions have remained, and some of them that Apple even tried to get rid of, like the Apple menu. Like, nope. <laughs> it's, it's, we we right. it, it came back. It, they wouldn't. They couldn't kill it. Um. And I yeah. I think that's I think that's remarkable. And yeah, everything is as grown i i have a um i have one of those susan care blankets that's got all of the um the, the graphics she made for the original mac it's like what an amazing piece of design like industrial design and also software design and not just usability but literally the icon iconography of it um yeah i i, I don't know i mean it it changed the world but was also a good enough real product for people to use it and for it to gain momentum and to become a, a product line which was not guaranteed
0: yeah, and I, I, maybe if there's one other broad thing I could think of is that it it foresaw multitasking and not talking about it in a technical sense, but in a mental sense, it, it, long before it was technically feasible. And yes, it, technically it was hard then for the Mac to move forward in that way. But what I mean is the idea with the Macintosh right from the get-go was that you were always in the Mac environment. And okay, you could only want run one app at a time, but you did it the exact same way. And if you wanted to copy something from a Mac paint and paste it into Mac, Write, You, you weren't switching modes mm. or going out in your, oh, you're in and now you're out and you're back at the prompt. And then you do this thing. You're always in Macintosh and, you know, I, it's like you were sort of like you like you even had like an avatar like the little arrow pointer was you and you, you, it was like a game you <laughs> played you know and it was a, a physical space and that, par- that carried through to today that's how we use our computer and it's exactly the same we have all this RAM and we run all these things at once but that paradigm was sitting there waiting for computers to get powerful enough for us to actually run the two apps side by side and See them As opposed to if, if the Mac hadn't hit at all and nobody had tried that, and I know there were other graphical user interfaces and stuff, but if, if consumer computing had stayed in the Apple II DOS command line era and computers still would have clearly gotten faster on Moore's law the way they did, and multitasking would have, been, well, you know, at this point we have to be able to run stuff side by side. What, what would have been the interface to do it? It, it didn't flow out of the old model. You know, it was better to have the model appear before the computers were ready, hardware-wise, than the other way around.
1: Yep. Well, I'm glad. That, I'm glad they made it because otherwise, where would we be? <laughs> I,
0: don't I don't know. I'd be. I don't know. I'd be chopping down trees yep, or something
1: on the side of the road. Um, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't be here. I'll tell no. You that. No. Um, okay, so I put the PowerBooks. Um, the 100 series, not the 100 model, but like the the good ones, the like 140 and 170. Um, I'm still trying to figure out exactly how I'm gonna what I'm gonna call them. But that mm-hmm. that first generation of PowerBooks that um, I put them high on the list. In part, I realize with all the laptops up here that one of the trends here is that ultimately we we do want our computers to be personal and we want to take them with us, and this first set of PowerBooks. Not only did it define so much, I think, about what we think of as a laptop in general now, that Apple was the first company to kind of get it right. But I think it introduced the Mac to a lot of people who had not really thought about it before. And I think it really was so transformative in, um, in people's lives in realizing that they could take the computer with them wherever they wanted and do what they wanted to do. And for me... For me, I was in journalism school at this point, and it was literally, oh my god, I can write anywhere now. Instead of I have to go back to my apartment or I have to go into the journalism school computer lab in order to write something, I can literally write it anywhere. I can find some space to sit down and write, and that you know, look at today, right? Every device is mobile, basically. Um, anyway, that's my that's kind of my pitch for the PowerBook 100 series. They they uh, Mac portable was really bad, and then they came out with this, and they and they nailed it.
0: Didn't you tell me that you just bought one of these used, and you were telling me how clicky the keyboard is? Well, uh,
1: so I bought I bought the the portable, and I bought a one eighty.
0: Oh, the portable. And the portable's had the got
1: the good keyboard. Time. The one eighty is a laptop keyboard. It's one of the things that they definitely threw over the side in terms of size and weight. Is it doesn't have like the ALP switches and all? It's little scissor switches. Right. It's much more like a lot. It's good. There's a lot of travel. You would not believe the travel on the original PowerBooks. Right. It's pretty good. No, I, I, yeah, it's pretty good. Not by today's standards. M- that's for sure. <sighs> right. Yeah, exactly. But like, I don't know. I don't know if you if you had one of these or used one of these. But it was it was a, a revelation for me, and that was my main computer for many years. Was a PowerBook one hundred and sixty.
0: I forget how I saw one. Um, you know, it must have been when I was at the student newspaper at Drexel, um, and I didn't. I know we always had we had a few at a time and they were mainly it was sort of like a sign out policy for reporters you know like oh you were going to a student council meeting take the power book and then you'll have something you can type your notes on and right um, you know, you, it's so funny thinking about it. Like, of course, there, I was going to say there's no Wi-Fi, so you couldn't get on the, the network. But the idea that you'd be on a network of any sort yeah. just because you were somewhere, it's, it was laughable. It didn't work you know, like, that. like Right. It wasn't like there was Ethernet either. It was nothing. There, You know, why in the world would there be Ethernet ports in the whatever room they had the student council meeting in? You know, you weren't in the computer lab. Um and you couldn't take your power book to the computer lab and just find a free ethernet port either. <laughs> you know, there was nothing, uh, but you know, it, it was useful just to be able to have your notes or maybe have, you know, and you could, you know, it would have like the whole archive of, you know, MacWrite files from previous articles. So you could, if, if you were there, you could like look something up if you took it with you. Um, but I never, I, you know, I played with it and I was impressed by it, but I didn't do that type of reporting, so I never used it much. But I remember being impressed by the device and thinking, you know, this is totally a Mac.
1: Yeah, that for me, that was the big thing is that I had Nessie and then I got the PowerBook 160 and I, it was my Mac. Like, I didn't have to go back to the desktop. It was it. And that became my Mac completely, 100%. And yeah, you had to, there were like adapters. There's a weird, the SCSI on the back was a weird shape. So you had to get a little, the APS SCSI dock was what it was called, DOC. And it turned your your PowerBook SCSI port into a regular SCSI port. And then you could attach scanners and you could put like a, or whatever, um, external monitor on, on it because it had um, external monitor out port. So you could run a color monitor on it at home. And yeah, they were great. They were great. And they... And wasn't it the, the
0: PowerBook 100 that didn't have an active matrix so, LCD? So the 100 didn't matrix.
1: have anything. It was passive matrix. It didn't have a floppy drive. It was basically the Mac Portable shrunk down by Sony and stuck in the case. Right. The 140 was passive matrix, and the 170 uh-huh. was active matrix, monochrome. And then the 160 and 180, it was 16-level gray. Same, though, po- right. passive. The, you paid a real premium for the active matrix. And Syracuse went on about it uh, on the uh, Mac Portable episode, and... You know, he's absolutely right. And as somebody who had a 160 with a passive matrix screen, you know, your, your cursor left a trail behind it. Right. Uh, and, and the ones, the, the active matrix was like, like the original Mac screen, right? It was kind of immaculate. It was uh, on yeah. that 170, it's black and white, but pixel perfect clarity. Right. It reminded
0: me that the passive matrix was, it reminded me of the, um, when I finally figured out that the old Atari 2600 could only update one sprite on screen at a time. And then it's like, oh, and then all of a sudden it falls through and you realize why all the games were janky in the way they were. Mm-hmm. Like that the Pac-Man port, the ghosts look like you could see through them because they were trying to make four ghosts go around the screen but it could only draw one at a time and maybe didn't program it as well as they did with some of the other uh sprites like in the asteroids game and stuff and that's what everything felt like it was a ghost you know and i think Mm -hmm. like they excused it with pac-man because they well, wait they're called ghosts even though in the real coin-op arcade game the ghosts didn't really look like ghosts and i think most people thought of them as colored monsters Mm -hmm. um uh, you know cuz who who thought of red yellow you know
1: <laughs> they're like <teal> candy <laughs> candy ghosts yeah
0: they didn't, they don't they don't look like ghosts to me but then the atari 2600 is like well now they're ghosts they're white and you can see through them and that's how everything yeah. looked on the passive matrix screen it was yeah. like you could just see through everything you could see through the mouse cursor and it's like
1: submarining is my favorite term submarining is when you move you move the uh uh, I think in those days now we talk about it it's when the cursor disappears but I believe we used that phrase then and it was it was you couldn't you had to slow down your cursor because you couldn't see it it was like it went underneath the screen and then you, and then you <laughs> right. slow it down it's like there it is <laughs> there's the cursor um, yeah, right it's uh, like the
0: the modern day feature where you can wiggle the trackpad to make the mouse cursor get real uh-huh. big we needed it back then
1: yeah except if yeah if you wiggle the cursor back then actually i think connective connectix powerbook utility cpu i think that was one of the features it added was a shortcut that made like your cursor pulse so you could yeah, find something it something like that it's like yeah. where is it right. oh there it is i got it yeah anyway they were great they changed everything for me so i'm going to i'm going to rave about them a bit um, let's talk about the imac like the, this is i feel like a, an interesting pair with the original mac cuz it's you know steve comes back and there's another all-in-one and um you know it saved a i it saved apple it it saved apple it put them on a new trajectory it 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 became a hit they're just it, it is it dropped a lot of old tech it was like a turn the page kind of thing for the mac as a platform. there's just so much about it so if anything you've you're thinking of about the the original iMac. i
0: i think it was it's interesting to look back on and well what what problems did Apple have? At that time, well, they boy, where to start, right? But they, their hardware was a mess. The product line was confusing. The software, the whole reason they bought Next and brought the Steve Jobs leadership crew over was they needed a new operating system for serious technical underpinning reasons. But that was even optimistically going to take years and wound up taking until. 2001 to ship in any usable feasible form and really probably took until 2003 2004 until mac os 10 was okay really we can have a pretend funeral on stage for the old mac os you know it was years away what could they do yeah. they could they they could make it look better make it fun yet at the same time doing that would play right into the critics who would say all Apple stuff is, is pretty looking stuff for people who don't know any better. Right. Like it was playing right into the hands of the harshest critics of the company. And they were like, "Uh, you know, to hell with them. Like that, that's part of that. And and, you know, you can call it arrogance, but I think I, I would say it was confidence because they knew it was cool. Right. Like, You couldn't look at that iMac G3 and not think this is cool and fun. And even if you didn't like it personally, like for me personally, it never spoke to me like I really want one of those for me, John Gruber. But I thought it was cool, uh, just as cool as anything I had seen in a very long time. And it was just different. And somebody was trying not to be boring and, there, it was. It was pleasing. Just like, what a weird shape. Well, it didn't even have a name, you know. But it was sort of defined by the way a CRT technically works. Uh, it doesn't have to be a box. It could be this sort of teardroppy shape you know?
1: And you you say, you know, it's, it's not for you. And I mean, everybody I've talked to is sort of like, it wasn't really for me, but I set it up for my friends or my family or whatever. But like, it was also not for those people who are like, oh, Apple, all, uh, you know, style over substance or whatever. It was, it wasn't for them either. It was for, it was for like regular people who wanted to get on the internet. And for whom, I mean, you remember this era, uh, PCs in this era and Macs too, they're beige. It, it, it yeah. was in- endlessly a computer plus a big monitor plus like, external speakers and a rat's nest of cables. And then you imagine just wiping that off the table and replacing it with plop this thing. And then you plug in, you know, there's no step three. You just plug it in and plug in the modem and like, okay. And you're on the internet and on the internet to do web and email doesn't require a proprietary windows PC program that you might have at your office. You can just plug it in. And like, what a perfect confluence of, of like, events that that I think made it a hit but like it was it was for regular people like that's why they didn't that's why they didn't care about the old like scuzzy right. going away cuz who cares the people who are buying this don't care they don't have scuzzy peripherals they don't care
0: yeah and the i and imac stood for internet Yeah. i mean they you know that was back when they would explain their names <laughs> but it's funny to say that and it sounds dated but that time, you know, 1997, 98, you know, going into there, it's like, okay, for our market, the people listening to us right now who are listening to a 20 max for 2020 podcast were way into the internet by that time. But, you know, for the mass market, for normal people, that was the the wave was breaking on, okay, you need to have a computer because it's, it's just, you know you know, at some point in the fifties, early sixties, it was like, okay, you need to have a TV in your living room. You know, there's just time, time to get on board and people needed a computer. And that's, for example, that's what I got my parents. I don't think they had the original. I think they had a a blue one, a blue, blue, not the Bondi blue, but, uh, which is like what the second generation. Um, And not because I didn't want them to get it. It was like, that was when they finally said to me, Hey, John, I think we should get a computer. Mm. And so they I was got like, the, like,
1: yes, finally they got like the blueberry instead of the yeah. I think blue? they got yeah. the
0: blueberry, and then uh, you know my my wife's mother that was her first computer and had it for years and it lasted. And you know what a great computer for them it was. They they and they all took to it and they were all still using Macs today. Um, but how great it was! You know, you take it out, you set it up, and then you plug in a keyboard, you plug in a mouse, and that's it. You're done yeah it's had a modem built in
1: well it's computer it, it is the latest in jobs is like computer for the rest of us you know goal, which is it's an appliance. it should be simple people should just it, it shouldn't be complicated and you know the tech had advanced a little bit built in modem was key, right they really that's why it's an imac is that like you you have to have a modem because you right. have to be able to get on the internet like it's it's not um optional
0: right and it's like conceptually sure. Having a separate modem and a separate box that plugs into another port is just one more thing. But it every one of those things just makes it look more complicated. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. and what? You used to have to plug your modem into power separately too yep. then, and it's one more thing to plug in. You get
1: the rat's no, nest of cables keeps growing.
0: Yeah, just the bare minimum was a mouse, a keyboard, and uh, power for the, for the Mac. Yep. And put a phone line in a modem and you're done.
1: What do you think about the fact that Apple um, doesn't make colorful computers anymore? They make col- they made colorful iPods, they make colorful phones, but the fact that you know they had this great success with the iMac and all of its color and pattern variations, but after this, everything became white or black or a shade of gray or the occasional kind of gold tint.
0: Yeah, and even the gold and well, certainly space gray and. Silver, they're so close. Not. Like lighting, so close.
1: based on the lighting, you could you could mistake one for the other. <laughs> it,
0: I it, it's funny because just recently they you know as we record they've just announced the M1 Max and the MacBook the Mac Mini is now only available in silver and the previous one was it was only in space gray but it was so hard to figure it out during the event it was like wait it's like i'm squinting at the tv and it's like i don't know is that silver is it space gray it's gold is the only one yeah. that stands out but it's like the most muted silvery looking gold i know right ship uh I think what comes around goes around. I feel like I feel like we're going to see we have to see colorful Macs at some point soon. Like truly colorful mm. like the phones, colorful. I don't know how they'll do it, but it it just feels like it's gotta come at
1: some point. It just, it does almost feel like a fashion cyclical thing. because like, the phone I, I may be a leader here where Apple has really in the last couple of years really embraced color on the iPhone, and you can get a boring color. I, I, I said that on Upgrade a couple weeks ago in my review of the of the 12 Pro was this is this is like the color of a foggy day. It is the most boring <laughs> color in the world. It is just a color. And I heard from like three or four people who are like, yeah, that's what I want. I want it yeah. boring. I'm like, great. Yeah. You should be able to have it boring. I'm not saying no boring. I'm saying other people would like not boring. So right. maybe this cycle will reach the mac i keep thinking like you know blue like a blue anodized aluminum macbook or blue or red or whatever like some colors it's fun like why not and i think i agree with you i think they will get there but it, it is funny to think back to the imac and how the color was such a part of its personality and breaking away from beige and now we don't have beige anymore but we've just got various shades of silver
0: Yeah, and it's like, you know, and the Mac's been on a longer cycle, and it's a longer, you know, an older, more mature platform, but it's like they never let any iPhone design settle in as the way, this is the way iPhones look. Like, okay, sure, maybe, you know, there have been some S years where they look exactly the same, but then the next year they do something to mix it up, and here's some new colors, or we've switched the back to glass, and do this, do that. And the Mac hasn't had that, but it's got to happen eventually. And I feel like just color would be the most obvious way. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, it wouldn't, they're not going to go make an, you know, a Bondi blue <laughs> uh, MacBook right. air, but something like with the phones. I, I, yeah, I feel like it's time is coming. I, I hope yeah. so. It would be fun.
0: Yeah. And I feel like they could also go more Darth Vadery and make like a truly black pro model right. too. You know, like space gray isn't nearly dark enough to be like, dark dark
1: yeah no i agree i i I thought about that too i used to have i loved the i had the black macbook the one that you had to pay extra for it to be black yeah (laughs) it looks so good i mean it got fingerprints all over it but it looks so good it looks so good it was matte black not the shiny white it was shiny white or matte black it looks so good i would love yeah because space gray is a little that's one of the disappointing things about space gray i like space gray i like it better than silver but it's it's too light it's too silver Yeah, it feels to
0: me like what silver should be.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Although that silver is the exact same color as I've got the titanium in front of me now. And like the silver color, it's the same. It's like the same silver.
0: Yeah, they like it. They do. Somebody
1: likes it. Somebody somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. They they, they bought a lot of, you know, whatever they use to anodize aluminum. (laughs) They bought it in that color. And they're like, this is what it is. I think that's it. All right. I think that's I think that's it. I'll let you know if I need more. But um, okay, you're the next to last. Syracuse is last. He's coming up in yeah. like an hour.
0: Oh, you got to keep him last. Get um, him,
1: get a, it was just everybody just picked their times, but you know, fill up the water bottle. He likes to. He like well, yeah. That's the thing. Is so we took 48 minutes. A lot of people it's like 20 minutes, and Syracuse it's like an hour and a half. Like yeah. he's just got he's got a lot to say.
0: He makes me feel good.
1: He, he's 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 got opinions. <laughs> he makes me feel good that I'm not wasting your time. Yeah. And it all, it all the uh, the the end product is a lot of fun. Like using yeah. this, oh, it's so fun approach to edit it and all. It actually turns out to be this fun uh, kind of collage of of what I really love about it is that in a lot of them, you are all telling different aspects of the same story. And there's it's it really is great when it clicks and I realize I don't yeah. even need to write any narration to bridge what people are <laughs> saying because everybody interviewed separately is segueing. Into the next person, and those moments are great. Where it's like, ah, oh, I don't even because because you gotta like press a command shortcut to enter like write some narration mode in Descript, right. and, and it's like I don't even need to just paste this here, copy that there, <laughs> it's like we worked it all out beforehand. It's a lot of fun.